I think it's I think it's an internet thing. I say that and that made me sound really old. <laughs> <laughs> Can you start the podcast with that? Okay, hello listeners, welcome to episode 49 of the Picky Bastards podcast and it is our annual Albums of the Year episode where we'll be talking about some of our albums of the year and those chosen by other much more famous publications than our own. Um, I'm here with two people who liked some of the shittest albums I heard this year, so I don't know why I'm choosing to speak to them about music, but here's uh, (laughs) Sam Atkins. How are you, Sam? Hello. Happy Hello. Happy New Year, Happy Christmas, Happy everything, Fran. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That I was I was really mean to you, and you were just really nice to me, so I feel bad. I'm trying to keep the the vibes positive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's we're recording on December 29th, which is that little slump in between Christmas and New Year. So aren't you meant to be slightly miserable at this point? I'm meant to be very hungover or kind of like just doing nothing, which I am doing nothing. That that's a good. That's a yeah. good uh, description of my life right now, which That's feels the best great. Time. It's the best time because you don't have to do anything. It's just oh, how I'd love to do nothing. <laughs> well, right That's, well, that's your fault. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> how are you, Matt? I'm good. I'm good. Happy holidays. Yeah, I mean, every, when everybody hears this, it'll be past the holidays. But happy holidays for when it was the holidays, everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. Happy everyone miserable can, January. Everyone can look back and... And just have wishful thinking for next year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can remember when things were, when you weren't at work. Yeah. Anyway, so we will shortly be getting to our albums of the year, but the ones from other lists that we've chosen, we tried to choose ones that turned up on a few lists or that finished really high on a couple of lists. So we've got The War on Drugs with I Don't Live Here Anymore, Tyler the Creator with Call Me If You Get Lost, Jasmine Sullivan with Hotels. Aya with either Imhole or Imhole, depending on whether you like punctuation. Um, <laughs> Cassandra Jenkins with an overview on phenomenal nature and the bug with fire. Um, right. Should we just get straight into it? Yeah. Let's... Yeah. So the first question is what's your album of the year? And I'm going to start with Matt. Are you ready? Oh, by yeah. the way, everybody gets 90 seconds to answer these questions. So, all be ready for some obnoxious, horrible alarms that we've just been choosing before we started recording. So Matt has 90 seconds now to tell us what his album of the year is. Go. Um, well, my album of the year is Turnstile Glow On. I think it probably comes as no surprise to the people that heard us discuss it um, a couple months back. Um, for me, this is just a whirlwind of an album. It's a band that already were kind of the best in in their genre uh, well in my opinion and (laughs) well everything i'm saying is my opinion but yeah yes um they're really they're really taking the step forward they're adding in lots of new sounds lots of new interesting genres and they really make it work they keep this kind of hardcore backbone and but then add all these different flourishes where they're like have all these um, different like jams and new rhythms and um, aren't afraid to go harder or much softer with the music and um, whatever feels right in that moment. Um, 
And the album as a whole, even though it's kind of spreading its wings and going off in these different directions, it never loses its momentum. Um, it stays interesting throughout. Um, and one thing we didn't talk about last time is actually one of my favorite songs on the on the album is actually right at the end and isn't really a hardcore track at all. And it's um, no surprise. And it's just this really... I'm afraid you're not going to get to talk about it this time, either. Ah, I get to mention it. <laughs> Should we let... You can Everyone finish your point. Listen to it. You were in the middle of a point. You can finish. You can finish your point. I'm just going to say it's like an incredibly pretty 45 second vignette, which doesn't belong, but fits for some reason. Okay. Well, that didn't fit in your 90 seconds, but we'll we'll let you off. Okay. To Sam. Now, first, before Sam tells us his album of the year, I'm giving him an opportunity to, to, you know, change. To to (laughs) change what was on the playlist we've all listened to for a Yeah, change, change one, change, pick one of the other albums. Go for it. What's your album of the year, Sam? 90 seconds. So I, I am worried that I've like bored everyone by talking about my like <laughs> inner turmoil over liking this album so much, but it has to be Wolf Alice Blue Weekend. And yeah. I, I spent most of the year expecting something else would appear, like the Little Sims album or the Lord album, which was trash. Um, the Adele album, <laughs> maybe, um, to like overthrow it. And then nothing has come close for me. The, the, this album, I just front to back, there's nothing as consistently enjoyable and brilliant as this as that i've heard this year um the song that we all talked about on the mercury prize episode even play the greatest hits i feel like i've like sort of (laughs) grown to love that now and i don't know if it's just because it was like this complete kind of difference to everything else surrounding it um but it's such an immediate album but it's really surprised me how long it's kind of lasted um, after so many listens, it, it's it's both immediate and then has really lo- a long kind of um, a long. Uh, you can get loads out of it the more you listen to it. Um, some parts of it are really raucous, like smile. Um, the performances on those, those some of these tracks are just amazing. They're just unlike any of the things I've ever heard from Wolf Alice before. How can I make it okay? Is just an anthem. I, I I can't get over how much I like that song. It just builds and builds. That bit where it's just each time. Oh, I've run out. No more. So much. No more. I have so much more just to say. To, yeah. Well, fine. there's no way I'm going to get through all of mine on my album of the year in 90 seconds either. But Sam, do you want to time me? Yes, I will do. You want to? You ready to go? I'm ready. What's your album of the year, Fran? So my album of the year is A Common Turn by Anna B. Savage, which I've talked about so much this year that I'm not 100% sure there's much new for me to say, but I'll I'll try anyway. Um, I think the thing that really strikes me is how personal this album is. I think people talk about how personal albums are all the time, but I can't think of an album in history that has ever been so intimate and intense and such a snapshot of someone's life. I feel like after a couple of listens to A Common Turn, you feel like you know Anna better than you know your best friends. Um, She discusses her insecurities about her music, her awkwardness in relationships, even her sexual fantasies about Tim Curry and lingerie, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, I think she really just gets to the heart of everything in these songs. Um, and it's a, it's a storytelling that makes this such a powerful LP. Songs like Chelsea Hotel, Number 3, Baby Grand, they could work as microfiction short stories. Um, but often when someone's such a good storyteller, they forget about the other elements of the songwriting. And Anna really doesn't. These are beautiful, fascinating songs that weave in out of styles and genres, 
have some really interesting f- production flourishes. Um, so you ha- she'll have you sort of think you, you listen to a folk song and then there'll be a real electronic pulse throughout it or something will ramp up on the chorus or there'll be some really aggressive guitars halfway through a quiet, almost spoken word song. Um, and I think all of it combines to make one of the most interesting and involving albums of the year for sure. And I'm still getting more from it all the time. I think early on I was so into Chelsea Hotel Number no. 3 as a song that I kind of felt like the album reached its peak there and would let the last two songs wash over me. Oh, I only had one more line. But anyway, album of the year, definitely. Okay, right. Well, we're through those. So now we'll give everyone a bit of a chance to to chat about them. Um, as Anna is the one that hasn't featured on the podcast before, do either of you want to talk about Anna now or are they going to come to any of your later questions? I, I can talk about Anna now. Go yeah. for it, Sam. I just the first thing I wrote is just this is such a Fran album. It's absurd. And <laughs> um, it's so it's just so you and it's like you hear it and you go, This is exactly a Fran album of the year. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna argue. And that's with not that. that's not a bad thing. Um and it's I, I definitely like it. Um I think it's probably of all of the ones on the list that I didn't know that well. It's the most conflicted I've been. Um part of me is like, this is incredible. I get exactly where you're coming from. And then there's okay. something else that just feels a little bit missing for me. I, I don't know what it is. Um, I, f- I think her voice is instantly really interesting and exciting. She's, she kind of reminds me with this kind of operatic way of singing mm. of like Anoni or or yeah, even yeah. in the theatricality of it. Like it, it feels kind of Kate Bush-ish, the, the kind mm-hmm. of way that the, the album is constructed and the way she performs with it. And I feel like uh, you're probably going to say yes, um, I feel like on stage this comes like alive. Like she's she's probably such a dynamic performer. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. It, that's what you get from this. Um, I I pick, I wrote down Baby Grand as well, and two they feel like the centerpiece of the album, and mm. both kind of show off um, the same kind of thing, but done with completely different like instrumentation. One with like an acoustic guitar sound, and the second with like glitchy electronic sounds. Um, yeah. I I think the thing for me, the main issue I found is that listening through the album, I would get like a couple of, it, it. every single one of the songs seems to take like a minute to really kick in for me. Mm. And it felt yeah. like the first minute of every song ended up sounding kind of similar to the last one. And I would find it hard to kind of distinguish between them until it would reach that next bit. Um, and I think that kind of just stopped me from fully committing and engaging um, to the whole experience. Um, I th- yeah, I, I would just find that I'd be like, oh, well, I've already heard this song or I, I don't recognize this, but it sounds exactly like that bit. And then it would go off into a much more interesting bit. Mm. I don't know whether um, the payoff always feels worth it. And those sections for me are like the best bits of any of these songs. But I found sometimes it can be a slow build um, yeah. a few too many times through the whole album. I wonder if I'd liked it if it was more kind of the full album had a journey um, rather than each of the individual songs feeling like it has like a peak and then it goes back down again. I don't know. It, it's a weird thing. No, to I know of, what you mean with that. It's not no, a criticism, it, it's just... No, yeah, my yeah. first few listens to the album, I remember thinking, like, it took me a long time to know which song was which. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, I really like this yeah. this song. And I'd think it was part of, say, Baby Grand, but actually it turned out it was part of two. And I think it was only when I got really into the album and started to sort of put it on playlists that I would... 
but I think for me, that's part of what I like about the album. I think I think that is a journey. I think they they sort of meld into each other, but I can also see why that would be um, a negative as well. But I think it's yeah, I do. I definitely know what you mean with that. But I kind of like that about it. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Are you? I've got nothing to, to add at about? the moment. Okay. Okay. So we'll go to. Should we go to Turnstile? Sam, sure, you've not talked sure. about Turnstile before. Yeah. Oh, you, actually, you just talked for a while about. So I'll talk about Turnstile. Um, listen, I haven't got loads to say about Turnstile at this point. But not, you know, we talked about it before. It we, it was a good version of this kind of album. Um, I know there was an argument about whether it was by the book or not the last time we covered it. And I stand yeah. by the fact that, you know, while it has a few extra flourishes, it doesn't seem like it's doing anything that new or original to me. I think there are, there are albums like this from like the early noughties, um, which is not a bad thing. I do think it's good. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, I did say at the time of the last podcast that I couldn't imagine I would ever listen to it again. And then obviously mm-hmm. I have just had to spend a month listening to it again. Um, I still feel the same about it. I like it. I think it's good. It's just not entirely my cup of tea. And I would say I've definitely had my fill of it for, for now. Um, I've listened to it a lot this year, more than I probably would have. But there's a, there's a lot going for it. And I can see why it is an album of the year standout. It's not one that I would say, it didn't come close to me saying I'm surprised to see it on an album of the year list because I think it's got a lot going for it. But it just doesn't do anything massive for me still. I'm, go- I'm going to find a way to bring say. it back. Yeah. <laughs> Keep bringing it yeah. back. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, turnstile episode. There'll be some special yeah. episode at some point where you can bring it back. I'm sure, but it's not. It's not like um, one of those that, if it comes on, I'm going to be like, oh god, not the turnstile album. It's just also not one that I'm going to rush to put on personally. Yeah, that's fair. So Very anything on turnstile that. at the minute or not? Not right now. No. Oh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so. <uh-oh. laughs> Wolf Alice then. <laughs> Um, Matt, um, can you talk about I, Wolf Alice at the minute? Yeah, yeah, I can talk about Wolf Alice. Yeah. I, um, I really like this album. I find it very confusing when I listen to it. Um, I think I mentioned this before. <laughs> it's it should it doesn't it shouldn't work, and it is a mess. But it's very fun, um, and so that's that's enough to sell me. Really, I don't really care if it's. Um, stupid because <laughs> a lot of it is um, but then mixed in the th- reason it's a mess is because mixed in with this stupid stuff is also like some of their best songs I've ever made and some of the best songs of the year so it it is a triumph in its peculiarity and what they've achieved and like even the weird stuff feels purposeful it's like what they want to do um so it does it does feel like in like those moments encapsulate a group of people just messing about and having yeah, fun yeah yeah totally it feels like them and that's that's what i feel like i've always missed from that yeah. and from their previous stuff it, it always felt a bit kind of like they didn't really know who they were or they didn't really there's this kind of confidence in just doing the music in this. It doesn't yeah. feel like they're trying too hard. Like they're not having to try hard and yet they've created the best music of, that they've ever done. Um, yeah. Whether some of it doesn't appeal to certain people, 
I feel like they don't <laughs> give a shit. And I kind of like that mentality of just going, we, we're just doing this. We're not going to try and aim for something. We're not going to try and do this. We're just going to make the music that we're, that we're enjoying and we're feeling at the time. Um, yeah. And I imagine that some of those like weirder moments go, go off like in a live setting with, oh, with yeah. fans. Um, so then it's kind of like, I, yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, so I saw them after their first album and it was a great live show at their absolutely fantastic live, but it, they did, I did walking, walk around or walk away from it thinking these guys are just too cool. <laughs> And it does feel like the facade has dropped. Yeah, this feels a lot more kind of like, we're just going to go for it. We're not going to yeah. worry what everyone thinks of us. Um, yeah. It's not we're this kind of cool band. They've kind of dropped that entirely, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not cool. Um, <laughs> I definitely preferred them when they were cool, even though I didn't really like them that much then. But there was a couple of songs I liked on. Uh, what Visions of a Life, was it? The one that won the Mercury? Yeah. There was a couple of songs I yeah. liked on there. Um, that's I'm the not, worst album. <laughs> I'm not going to go in too hard on this album again. It's not the one that I've chosen for one of the later questions, which is the most surprising. Is, is there anything you did like this time around going back? Like what, a, a song? Is there anything you could pick out that you go, actually, that's you know, grown on me a bit? Or have you kind of given up? What I tried to do with, I listened to it more, maybe, you know, I, li- I listened to it the least of all the ones as we went through because I already know I don't really like it. Um, but I did give it a few listens. What I tried to do, given what you all said about how can I make it okay last time, was I tried to I tried to listen to that a little bit away from the rest of the album. Um, I suppose one thing I would say is, even though I don't like it still, I do understand why that is a very successful pop song um, and why it's something that people would be really into. I do understand mm-hmm. that song. Um, I still don't like it. Um, but... The opposite. There were a couple of songs that annoyed me even more um, this time. <laughs> Delicious things is just fucking stupid, oh, isn't it? That like, song is so good. I the whole, love that song. The whole "A Girl Like Me, Can You Believe I'm in Los Angeles" is probably the stupidest lyrics <laughs> I remember. It's like, of course we believe you're in Los Angeles. You're exactly the type of person who would be in Los Angeles. And planes fly directly there. It's not like it's a big shock to be in. It's not like you're in the jungle. So I don't understand that song. Um, and Safe from Heartbreak started to really do my head in. It sounds like a, a Hallmark card. Um, it's a jingle in a card. But there you go. That's all I'm going to say. It's it's not – well, is it my least favourite album on this list? It might still be my least favourite album on the list, but it's there is something that wound me up more. There we go. This time. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> Wolf Alice do over. It doesn't surprise me that – even their best stuff you're not into because it's a it, it apes on a genre which I know and like bands that you, I know you don't yeah. like anyway. <laughs> so. Well, I remember the uh, the argument during the last the podcast the, the Mercury podcast about what I really tried to get my head around is you know you you guys talking about them being the best version of a certain type of music and so many bands would want to release an album like this and you you were so insistent with me about that and I still can't get my head around what the bands are that would want to sound like that and, and and who they are because I don't know I just think it's a type of music that I've had to push away from just because I can't I just don't I'm not into it but I can't think who it is that wants to be like Wolf Alice we can get into um, that later yeah you think you'd need we'd need a whole hour and a half to do that but yeah. um okay so next question 
We're going to start with Sam for question two. And the question is, which album felt most relevant to 2021 for you? Sam, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, go. Uh, so I've I've picked Jasmine Sullivan Hotels. Um, I feel like it, it was a year full of like people releasing things that it was like, this isn't an album. It's definitely not an album. It's an EP. It's a mini album. It's a project. <laughs> and it's kind of funny that like one of the year's most cohesive albums is one of those things where she kept saying it wasn't an album. And I'm like, this is definitely an album. <laughs> and it's definitely a full body of work. I absolutely love it. I think the concept is great. I think the format of the album where there's kind of these um, little storylines from different people that she knows and some artists that appear on other songs. Um, and then there's a song about that. It gives context to these songs that I feel like you you often don't get in these uh, kind of R&B albums where um, they can all seem, oh, they're all just about love or they're all just about a relationship, but it's very specific. It's There's a song about losing someone and you being the one who breaks it up. There's a song about... Um, you having to make up for the deficiencies of your other partner, like pick up your feelings is outstanding. I love that. And Jasmine sounds incredible on that. I, the runs that she's doing, I know there's some people who don't like that sort of singing, but she just sounds, she's just in complete control of her voice and her talent. Um, it's also dirty as hell, this album. And mm. there's some <laughs> filthiest lyrics, this side of WAP. Um, and, <laughs> The song with Ari Lennox, Sit On It. I mean, that kind of just says it all. Yeah, you've said um, it all. I don't know if any of us are going to get through a whole... Uh, we've not once have we beaten the 90-second alarm yet, which is is not normal for these episodes. We'll get there. It takes um, a little training. Maybe I'll get it this time. Sam, are you going to time me? Yes, I can. Yeah. You ready? What's your most relevant to 2021 album? So I have picked the Cassandra Jenkins album, an overview on phenomenal nature for this one, but it's more about my personal experience of 2021 than any like universal 2021-ness that the album has. Um, there's a few years it speaks to, the few reasons it speaks to my year on a personal level, but one of the main ones is that it's, it feels like an album that's largely about navigating feelings of change and finding a way to cope with change. So um, yeah, I, as most people who listen know, I had a daughter in 2021, so I can totally appreciate the feeling of finding ways to cope with change. Um, so that really resonated with me. Um, I think that feeling is particularly present in songs like New Bikini, Ambiguous, Ambiguous Norway and Haley. Um, but something else that stood out to me is that the whole album seems to be structured to represent a kind of search for some peace and escape. Um, in Crosshairs, my favourite song on the album, there's a line that says something like, an empty space is my escape. It rolls through me like a river. Um, and that, that just really spoke to me as well, because I think <laughs> without trying to sound too negative about becoming a father during a pandemic while working still, um, this was a year and I really learned to appreciate finding small moments of empty space. Um, so that spoke to me. And I think there's something that really advocates for that in the structure of the album as well. I feel like the six songs about sort of facing struggles and ob- obstacles and then ends with this really peaceful instrumental as if that empty space and that peace has been found at the end of the album. And then a lot of it's about finding nature. And I spent a lot of this year just walking around in the in the woods and the parks near me. And, and that was something that, again, was really relevant to my year. So, yeah, that's it. I nearly made it to the end. Close. Yeah, nearly made it. Okay, so give me one second to get my timer ready. Matt, what's most relevant to 2021 for you? 
that was Anna B. Savage with a common oh, turn. Interesting. Um, I, and so I picked this because I, um, I firstly, I really, really like this album, which Fran will be pleased to hear. Whoa, whoa, um, what's happening? Yeah, yeah, all things are turning around. And, and so for, for me, it's a very introspective album, and I had a very introspective year. Uh, a lot of still with everything going on in the world, a lot of like time to myself, a lot of time to reflect on things that are going on. Um, and so I found that kind of personal tone of this album very relevant to what's happening now. Um, beyond that, the specific aspects of the album that also feel very personal. And so um, the song Bedstuy really stuck to me because I used mm. to I used to live in Bedstuy. Okay. And a lot of what it's it the storytelling within it is quite minimal, but a lot of what they're talking throughout the song, like it felt like mirrored that moment in time when I was living in Bedstuy. Um yeah, that's cool. And so that was re- it was a really interesting and, and cool song to listen to with with that in mind. And then beyond that, the album as a whole also feels incredibly fresh. Like when I listen to the album and initially i was like after the few tracks i was like oh this is just going to be some gloomy folk shit <laughs> which i like but i won't like that much and then what they actually yeah i mean we've got the alarm but because you've been so nice about my favorite album of the year have another 10 seconds no i mean finish your point if you want though i feel like we should let you finish yeah. your point I just think it, the way it incorporates new sounds that you don't expect in a folk album is really new and interesting. And yeah, the com- combination with her di- very different voice is just something I haven't heard before. So it's fresh. Fantastic. Brilliant. Good to hear. Um, okay, great. So we've kind of talked about Anna already. So yeah. we'll move on to either Cassandra or Jasmine. Matt, can you talk about either of them now? I can talk about Cassandra. I can talk about both, but I'll start with Cassandra. Um, I I thought this was a nice album, um, very calm, but I wasn't that excited to listen to it, to be frank. Um, For something that, like, yeah, it mentions nature in the title, and it does seem to allude to it throughout the album, it felt very shiny. Um, The only track that felt, like, natural in any way was the final track, and they literally had nature sounds in it. Um, so that, uh, yeah, so that was, yeah, that was more of an issue for me. Um, I think there was one song which was a little bit different, which was, um, uh, the kind of spoken word song in the middle. Yeah. Um, Um, hard drive, hard drive, which sounded almost like Laurie Anderson, and like x minus x or x equals x or let let x equal x and all of, all of that stuff and i have literally I, no idea what you're talking about you just mentioned <laughs> letters <something now. laughs> you should listen to laurie Anderson. it's really good and so okay. that's my yeah. point like i really found that really interesting but when she's doing the, like her regular songs i was quite i was like this is fine um yeah. but i don't know why we're talking about it now that's funny because that's right. kind of the point. The point I didn't get to at the end of mine was the, the the one part of the album that really I didn't like was Hard Drive when she does the spoken word because she's got a really irritating speaking voice. She's a I, wonderful I said singer. Exactly the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> can, can you speak about the album now, Sam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree entirely with what you've just said, Fran. Like I I just found that in the middle of the album was like that 
I'm not feeling this. The rest of it is so beautiful and <laughs> right. pretty and delicate, and she sounds it doesn't great. Belong. It doesn't belong, and but that is like people are putting that on like their singles of the year lists, yeah, um, yeah. and it feels so out of sync with the rest of it. I really, really like this album. Um, mm. I it's like it it gave me the same sort of sense of kind of atmosphere that that Hannah Peel album did when we did it on the Mercury last year, um, but in a different way. This was a lot more jazz orientated i really like the way that the piano is used and the saxophone and it gave me a same sort of feeling of like um like that second boniver album mm. um with the use yeah. of the saxophone um and yeah i it's so the music's really adventurous but then the lyrics are just so plainly spoken like they're so i did this and we went to this and this happened it's it's so kind of there's this kind of uh, difference between how lush the music is and then how um, very very specific the lyrics are, um, and yeah, I I enjoyed it. I I found it it was one of the more enjoyable albums on the playlist. Um, just felt like having the space to breathe, it and the songs felt like they had space to breathe and just live. Yeah, um, I quite liked it. Yeah, yeah, that was the big thing that I came away from it. I think, and it's interesting. I actually listened to it back when Tom, one of the other editors first recommended it to us. And my first couple of listens, I was just like, oh, this is, this is a bit nothingy." but I've actually found over this month, this, that was the Cassandra Jenkins was the album I played this morning while I was sort of making my breakfast and stuff. And I, I'm finding myself coming back to it more now than I ever have before. So I think it just, maybe it's one that does take a while to sort of bed in, but yeah. there's, there's some, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very good album. Yeah. Okay. I'll talk about Jasmine then if, uh, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I tried quite hard to get into this one earlier in the year. Um, I think the obvious reason, you know, there's an obvious reason that I did. I think there's enough there to warrant a few listens. I think there are a couple of songs that I really, really like. And, and Sam mentioned Pick Up Your Feelings. That's fantastic. Um, I really like Lost One as well. Um, and I think with Pick Up Your Feelings being so early in the album, and, and I really like that song, I think it made me think I was enjoying the album each time I listened to it at first, but it never stuck with me back then. And I think returning to it with a bit more concentration now, I think there are some obvious reasons why it didn't stick with me. I think if you put the two songs I mentioned aside, I find, I find a lot of the music very basic and, and not that interesting. Um, I think songs like Put It Down, On It and Price Tags all sound like a very basic keyboard setting for a lot of the songs. Um, and Sam's just talked about, you know, it is a very, it's a very dirty album. That's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I did find some of the content, pre- content pretty vapid and a little throwaway. Um, I feel like the skits make it feel like it should be like a seat at the table sort of album, you know, something really important and lots of grandeur. And But a lot of the skits just talk about needing a, a rich man. And, and, you know, that's okay. Sing about whatever you want to sing about. But it doesn't hold a lot of interest for me personally. I also find it really hard to believe that anyone needs wants to write this many songs about dicks. Like, are dicks that interesting to write two whole songs about them? Um, sure, surely you get that. That's the whole the whole point of this record. Is that well, it's not trying. It's not saying that this is a an important statement that needs to be made. This is mm. it's it's being brutally honest, and that the, yeah. those stories that those people are saying, that's what they think, and that is what yeah. people think. Whether whether that's what you think or not, it doesn't. That, yeah, think, and that's, what, that's, that's the what kind I mean of point. when I say it's fine, but it just doesn't interest me. Like, yeah. 
I'm not interested in what the, what she's singing about or what they're speaking about particularly. Um, so it doesn't connect, it doesn't draw me in, but it, that's okay. Like it's not, I don't think it's a bad album and that's not what I'm trying to say. And I'm not trying to say that what they're saying is not okay, but it just doesn't really interest me. Um, so I think that's why I couldn't get into it, even though there was the makeup of some good stuff. And, and But the, the other point for me, I suppose, is that I think she's good vocally, but actually my favourite vocal moment on the whole album is the final part of Anderson Pack's verse, which kind of says something for me. But yeah, my last point... You, that you just want to listen to like men women. and you don't want to listen to women. That's what you're saying, Fran. Yeah, that's why <laughs> yeah, my album's been by a woman. Yes, I just didn't <laughs> like this album that much. Um, but yeah, reading back, I'm just reading back from my notes. It does make it sound like I hate this album. I don't hate this album. I don't think it's un- unlistenable. I'm just a bit flummoxed by how and why it's so adored, why it's like Pitchfork's album of the year, um, why it's on as many lists as it is. It's kind of, for me, it's okay, um, but not that great. That's kind of where I landed. What about you, Matt? Um, I really liked it. Um, I think she has a great voice. I think her voice, like the the richness of it is perfect for this type of R&B. Um, and... I think it has lots of interesting features, but she doesn't get outshined by them, which I think is always a, like a key thing when you get a bunch of like famous features to to join to join you on an album. Um, I think you mentioned you mentioned the tales. I think and uh, seat at the table. When we discussed seat at the table, for example, um, we actually I, I believe we talked about how. Um, we liked the interludes, but it got to the point they were disruptive. I felt like this with this album, this is one of the first albums I've heard with this many interludes where I didn't actually find them that disruptive. I think it was Solange's second album. We said, not the second, but not, you know, it was the, the one after. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. When you're I Get right. Home, that was the one that we said that we had, yeah, because the interludes on Seat at the Table are perfect, but yeah. on the last one we no. said they were a problem. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, yeah, the thing I found interesting about the interludes was the kind of consistency of them. I think that really helped. Like they're roughly the same length. They're like pretty much every single track, you know, when to expect them. Um, And so it's part of the flow of the album, which isn't, I feel like for this kind of thing, I haven't really heard it structured in quite the same way before, even though it's maybe the most simplest way to structure an album with interludes like this. Um, So I I found that um, really um, helped stick the album together and mm-hmm. stick to his messaging, which I agree with Sam. Like, it is the whole point. It is it is um, this very frank, I think quite mature, and not in the sense of, like, um, adult, like, mature, and not in the sense of, like, uh, sex mature, but, like, mature as in adult. Um, <laughs> like, just... Did that clarify it? <laughs> no, not really. No. You just said mature a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> Mature, not as it. Yeah. Anyway, I think let's pretend we know what you mean. <laughs> Response. Maybe I'm not mature enough for the album. Maybe that's what's wrong. Maybe I'm not mature enough for the album. Yeah, um, I think yeah. mature as in responsible, not as in mature as in the, this video has sex. It's weird that I, all careful. I can think about is cheddar now. All I'm thinking is mature cheddar. That's <laughs> yeah. all I can think. Because you oh, said mature that many times, great. but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's like it's really nice, frank discussion of like. Um, sex and feminism which is it's cool like people i feel like i've heard albums like this that are more fun and playful 
Um, but like, especially with the interludes, it's just very frank. Like this is because I think because of the range of ages, specific, specifically in the interludes, um, it at least sounds like some of them people are much older. And I think that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Should we move on to the next question? Yep. Yeah. So I'm going to start this. Uh, this was, Our next question is, what was your favorite discovery? Okay. I'll kick yeah. us off. Go for it, Fran. So this was an easy question for me. I was absolutely blown away by Fire, by the bug. I think it's a heavy, incendiary, apocalyptic album that barely lets up on the power and aggression all the way through. I loved how it managed to blend like elements of our current society with a dystopian view of the near future to create a sort of claustrophobic, oppressive atmosphere. But I think what was really impressive was how it used its music to keep to those themes. I think the use of the bass and like the siren sounds, they make me think of like those huge parties you see on end of the world films like the Matrix sequels and, and Mad Max Fury Road. And I can really imagine this sort of soundtrack in a, a film like that in the future. And I thought that was really, really impressive um, how it could sort of put me in that world. Um, and we've covered a lot of these collaborative producer-led albums. I feel like we talk about this nearly every episode, like Lonely Guest, Everything Is Recorded, Tony Allen, all those sort of albums. But this is the first one for me that feels entirely cohesive and whole. Like I love Everything Is Recorded, but this really feels like it all belongs together. Um, and it's so much so that it's hard to separate out, separate out songs to highlight. They all sort of blend into this captivating story. There's a couple that, you know, maybe take you slightly out of the world, um, but they're still okay. Um, they just, I would have trimmed them. But um, if I had to pick out a few songs I really like, though, I would go with War, Vexed, Pressure and Demon. But really, I just think it's such an impressive whole. I think it's an incredibly well-crafted album that really would have made my end of the year list. If I'd heard it sooner, it would have been quite high on that list, I think. 90 seconds perfectly. Nailed job. Wow. And I'll just say before we move on to the next person, that I'm really shocked nobody picked that one for the um, most relevant to 2021. I kind of didn't pick it because I thought we would all pick it and I thought I'd do something different, but nobody picked it in the end. So never mind. That's so you right for second guess. I know. Yeah. Don't rely on odds, basically. Yeah, I won't yeah. rely on sensible answers <laughs> from you, Tony. All right, Matt, what was your favorite discovery from the list? Go. It's me? Okay. Um, well, I think this might make you angry, but mine's going to be Aya with I'm Whole. Okay. Um, I have a feeling that this is going to be the most hated album from you guys, <laughs> besides maybe Turnstile and Wolf Alice. Um, but I really enjoyed this quite a lot. I thought it was um, weird, it jarring and arrhythmic throughout, and it made it super intense and disorienting to listen to. But I, I um, have really enjoyed that kind of that as a counterweight to a lot of what else is going on on this playlist, and also what's going on at this time of year with just Christmas music and all yeah. of that everywhere. This is like the antithesis of that. Um, and it is just, it's just a challenge of an album. Um, I really like the vo vocals. It's super glitchy and creepy. Um, and I think my favorite song is What If I Fell Asleep and Slip Under. I really like how the voice modulation like drifts in and out. And it's like, sometimes it's like the real voice. Sometimes it's something completely bizarre and the way they use it as an instrument. Um, and I think that matches what's going on in the rest of the album. Just generally, the whole thing is slippery. It's always changing. Every time I listen, it feels different. And so that's really why I liked it. 
and got a lot from listening to it. Well, bam. 90 seconds again. We're killing it now. All right, Sam, before we comment on Matt's thoughts, what's, uh, what's, what's your favorite discovery? Go. Maybe maybe I'm about to enter my indie phase like 10 years late, but I've picked the war on drugs. I don't live here anymore. Um, I have no common point for the war on drugs. I've never listened to anything else by them. I almost don't want to because I really, really love this album. Um, this is transcendent. It's escapist. It's just glorious. And it has soaring guitar lines. It's absolutely unoriginal. You can hear every other <laughs> band that has influenced this. You can hear Springsteen, Eagles, Fleetwood Mac, even the people that are influenced by those bands. You can hear influence from them here, like U2 and Coldplay and things like that. But it has this kind of familiar safety that I just, I was so engaged by it and it was just instantly, I just loved it. Um, the way I, I find the one standout is just his voice throughout. Um, he's kind of like restrained, but when he really goes for it um he has a really like emotional tone even though there's like massive production behind him um i feel like there's so many bands that are, are trying to capture those ones i mentioned earlier in that same stadium scale and energy but then you hear those ones and then you hear this and this is like hearing it with a full surround system versus hearing it on some tinny speakers that's what this feels like to me it's like such a step up from these other bands that i won't name because they're mostly shit um but <laughs> i i love i don't want to wait that's that's just stunning and um, and harmonious dream i've got to mention that not, as well you're not allowed to tell us anymore um i'm not giving you 10, 10 extra seconds yeah. i've already have matt's had his lot all right well they were all ones that we hadn't spoken about before so we'll we can go i'm just going to go on the order that they're in front of me on my screen now so let's talk about aya first um sam can you talk Do about it. aya no I could talk about Aya. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, I mean, this is a, our playlist began, begins with like arena ready, like indie music, and then ends with this. And it's like, what the <laughs> hell is this podcast? Like, it's, it's the sort of thing you have to check, like your headphones aren't broken when you listen to it. <laughs> but I, I get everything you're saying, Matt, but I just didn't get, I, I didn't get the same kind of enjoyment from going back to it. Um, I picked out that What If I Should Fall Asleep and Slip Under um, as like, I really, really love that song, actually. I, I love the way the vocals are used. And like, it's clearly one vocal, but it changes pitch so often. It sounds like a full band of people. Um, yeah. I can't tell if it's real. Like most of this album, you're like, am I listening to a human? Is this a person or is this not a person? <laughs> but then there's some really bad moments on this. That oob prosthesis is a, that is a nightmare that is the surely the worst thing on this whole playlist and then still i taste the air there's that does this like the way that they deliver the vocals it's like are you it, I, I can't i can't understand it no one would ever perform that and go this is it this is the take we need for the album like it's so painful to listen to that and that, i feel like that's why i found it a real struggle um, there's some bits that I really enjoyed. It reminds me of like Arca, that kind of thing of yeah. where it's all a bit wild and that's the point and it's it's very hard to get into. Um, and it moves on to the next thing before you've even comprehended what you've just heard on the previous one. But it was the sort of thing that I would leave on 
And then I'd walk back into the, I'd walk out of the room, I'd walk back in and think, what the hell is this? What is going on? And I, so I, I get it as a unique experience. It's not really one I want to go back to. Um, I'm surprised you picked it as your favorite thing, though. It's favorite discovery. Uh, yeah, favorite discovery. I'm surprised. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> we'll discuss the other it, ones. If, if it helps, it was in the running for my favorite discovery. Wow. Um, it didn't nice. quite make it, but I, I, I liked it from Listen One. Um, I think it's an odd little album that doesn't make an awful lot of sense, but I kind of really get a kick out of the chaos. Um, I think there's a fury in the vocal performance a lot of the time, and, and Sam's managed to mention the two two of the three songs that I highlighted as, as the best, as, as the ones he couldn't stand. Um, but I particularly enjoyed <laughs> the fury of like OLB prosthesis. Oh, it's horrific. I, I just, I can see, and I have written, I can see how that might put people off. Um, it was reminiscent of um, Crystal Castles, um, who I yeah. enjoyed mm-hmm. at the time. I know that since then there's been some some stories come out of that band that aren't great. So I'm not going to talk about them too much, but I, you know, I enjoyed that music at the time and that kind of reminded me of that. Um, and I, I love the way this album feels all the way through. It feels like it's really on edge. Um, I like the song. The only solution I found is simply to jump higher. I think some of the sounds on it are almost silly at times. There's like weird bells and old school computer game sounds, but it also manages to make you feel like it's just going to explode. Um, I think that song has no vocals, but it, it portrays so much tension. And I think tension is the sort of defining feature of this album. And then Sam mentioned Still I Taste the Air as well. I think I love the start of that song. I think it feels like a horror film about somebody totally losing their mind. It feels really intense. And yeah, I love it. I think there's one song, Emily Lights Us More. Um, I think that's probably the obvious standout. I would have thought one that maybe a song that someone who hates the rest of this album might like, because it doesn't feel quite the same. But I think the song feels like this like gradual unraveling throughout. It's like the whole album feels like it's representing madness to me. And I think, um, yeah, if I was going to get a taster of this album, I'd just listen to that one. Yeah, it definitely won't be for everyone. Um, and it's not something you can listen to all the time. I couldn't listen to it every run through. Had to be in the right mood, but it, it definitely gets a big thumbs up for me at the end. So cool. none of us hated it as I'm I expected. Surprised. I thought yeah. it would probably be both of, both of your worst, but... Um, no, no, not quite. No, Sam's I, got um, his wrong anyway. I mean, so. Yeah, it may yeah. be my worst, but that's not okay. saying much. But not There's your most surprising to... for the final question. There's still time to change okay. for the final question. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the bug that's next on on my list. Yeah, Do you want anyone to talk about the bug at the minute? I can. Um, okay. I I really like this. Um, I. I thought if this was in contention for um, what we just, uh, for me, what we were talking about now as yeah. my favorite new discovery. Um, I think the thing that held me back is I actually did think there were some weaknesses in mm. the coherency of the album. Um, okay. It's the, like you said, it's the internal discussion for producer made albums. And I thought he did an, an, ex- an exceptional job of making that tone coherent throughout but the issue was the quality of the songs um i felt really dipped with some of the um people he was collaborating with um and so there's like there's some incredibly strong stuff i think you um brought up uh the song uh, demon mm. um that's like the the album at its best 
Um, but then it like straight away dips with the next track um, with the collaborator More Mother. And I just like, I just wasn't about that track. And I felt like. Oh, Vexed is fantastic with More Mother. That's one of the best songs. But sorry. Nah, it's, nah you're <laughs> wrong. It's just, yeah, it's, so I don't it know. And so, so I, I felt like we were, it was constantly fluctuating between like, oh, this is a great track. Oh, this, it's, it's linked. It's still got the same viscera, but it's just mm. not, I'm not interested in it at all. And so that was almost beguiling to me because I was just like, I can, I, there's a lot of components here. I like, it is just the person that's come in and has not done a good job. And so, so that was kind of disappointing, but like, yeah, the tone overall, the bass throughout it is so good. Mm. And just, yeah, so, I'm just yeah. yeah, it's like, even when I didn't have it on loud, it felt like it was vibrating my skull. I don't know how we made it sound that way. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Sam? Yeah. Talk about the bug at the moment. Um, I, will, I won't talk much about it because you've, you've both kind of covered most of the main things. Um, I I found this was like the most difficult to kind of pin down and get my head around. Um, it's so mass. It sounds so massive at every point. Mm. Um, and yeah, I've just found it hard to kind of get into it as an album. Um, it's, you mentioned it sounded like a movie soundtrack and that is exactly what like the, the backing and that bass and that kind of mm. those all those sirens and the the breath the swells of brass it feels like a, like a Christopher Nolan thing like Tenet mm-hmm. um, if you think yeah. about like those those it there should be like destruction and things happening as as we're hearing this which um I just found it hard to get with what the rest of the album was trying to say I think musically I quite enjoyed it but I don't know if I'd have preferred it to have been one voice throughout the whole thing. Um, mm. And that, that kind of thing of, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't really know if I had no idea this was like a producer album. So yeah. I, that's why I found it weird. It was, it was listed as like electronic on Apple music. And I found no, that. See, I had it listed great. as grime on Spotify. So I would have said, anyone it knows like, what it is. I would have said it was more of a hip hop album, mm. but then it was clearly different artists performing on each one. Um, so I just found it hard to kind of get into. Um, and I I get why people would like this, but I don't I don't know why I would find it a difficult album to like love. Mm. Um I it's not the sort of thing that kept drawing me back. Um but I I didn't I didn't hate it. Um but it wasn't one of the things that really um got me in the way that some of the other albums did. Fair, fair. Okay. War on Drugs then. I'll, I'll kick off. Um, don't have an honest a lot to say about War on Drugs because I, I just don't see the point in this album existing, really. Um, I feel like if, if you want to hear something like this, you can just go and put on an old Springsteen album. It sounds like a set of Springsteen covers. I'm not into Bruce, but at least when he was doing it, it was kind of original, kind of different. This is just rehashed, derivative. Um I think it might not be quite so tiring if they were doing something more interesting lyrically, but but here they just trot out tired old cliches about being a prisoner of love, being born in the wrong way, and other bullshit about thinking about the old days. It's just the band. This band's always bored me, but I think they've upped the boredom stakes this time round. Um, <laughs> it's such a boring album. Um, with all due respect to one of our team, 
uh, Picky Bastards, who I know love this album. I really think that anyone who had this near the top of their 2021 albums of the year list needs to listen to more music. It's not doing anything interesting or original <laughs> at all. Um, but the one good thing about it is that every time we do one of these album of the year episodes, we have to have one boring white man band featured, um, Fleet Foxes last year. So we tick that box with one of the dullest albums I've heard this year. Yeah. Wow. Um, this is this has gone into my top 10 albums of the year, you know, because we did it on there. Wow. I would have never well, heard got, it without this podcast. And I listened to... Two of the most boring albums I heard this year on your top 10 then. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Matt, can you talk about I'm not going to talk about it yet. No? Okay. I knew I knew you two would hate this. It's <laughs> awful. <laughs> well, I don't care. I'm I'm fully in it. I don't care. Fair enough, though. Good, That's good okay. for you. I'm okay. living my good best kind of dad rock life right now. Oh, I'm not going to take that away from you. into 30s by becoming a dad rocker. That's what I'm going to get from now on on this podcast. We started the playlist off with Wolf Alice and War on Drugs, and I was just like, 2021 has been the shittest year for music. But then it got better for the rest of the playlist. So anyway, right. Final question. And we're starting with Matt. Which album were you most surprised to find on an album of the year list? I wonder what this could be. <laughs> Go, Matt. It's, it's the War on Drugs. Um, so I always thought about these guys as like they're Tame Impala light. Um, they made some interesting <laughs> indie rock, maybe. Like it's easy. I, I suggested this band quite early on to my dad and he loves them. And so that, that like knowing his taste, it fits. Um, and it isn't necessarily condoning them as a band, I would say. <laughs> um, but based on all the reviews and like Tom, Tom, who is the reviewer who really liked this band, um, based on what he was saying, I was very excited to give this a listen to. But I, I would agree that they've like they've changed. They sound a little newer. Um, but that new thing is they're wearing an old man's skin. <laughs> it, this is just full 80s soft rock. Um, mm. And you you guys have picked out some, like, I'd say, critically acclaimed bands from that genre and time. And But I would lead more towards the, the side of that genre, which I don't like, which is this is more like Phil Collins and Mark Knopfler mm. than it is Fleetwood Mac. This is more like this is American charting top of the pops kind of stuff than it is the 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 stuff that will, would the like in those days win like a Mercury or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. There we go. War on drugs. All right, we're going to it's Sam bad. next. Yes, and also, have you seen the album cover? Just just while we're here, I, you... is it just? I imagine it's just gen- again generic white man indie rock. Well, it's just a, it's white space, and then it's a man with his head out of the photo wearing a flannel shirt, and it's just yeah. that's this album, isn't it? <laughs> this album exactly. is a man in a flannel shirt with no facial expression. Um, okay. Anyway, Sam, I apologise. Over to Sam? you for your most surprising find on an album of the year list. Go. Yeah, so I mistook what this question was. I thought it was specifically 2021. So I've picked Turnstile Glow On, even though I actually quite like it. Um, 
But okay. I'm just surprised because there's no way this album was released this year. You, you're kid, you're joking, aren't you? you <laughs> I didn't listen to it at the time when you did it on the podcast, but this is from the early 2000s. It has to be. This is Blink 102, <laughs> some 41, like pop punk. Am I? Is this the Tony Hawk soundtrack? Because I I like it, but there's no way this is new music. It's like it. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I like is how diverse it all is. Um, um, they could quite easily be like a homogenous kind of punk mess for me. But I, I, I think it's the pop influence on it that um, they clearly know their way around a hook. They, they like hooky songs. And um, like Don't Play has that weird salsa moment, which is amazing. I love that. And it's it doesn't yeah. jar. Um, Underwater Boy gave me like Paramore vibes. Um, it feels like the sort of thing that that band may have made had they pivoted more into the harder rock than the pop. Um, and then the nearest thing I can think of to this was like Japanese rock music. That's ha- like the sort that's like in the background of a, like an anime. Um, yeah. it like a battle theme. And it's like, this is not an album from this year. It can't be. I don't believe that this is a thing from this year, that someone made this and it is new music in 2021. That's why it's the most surprising thing on this list. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, we've already spoken about Turnstile. So I'm gonna, before I answer this question, I'm going to just go to Sam a bit more because first of all, you didn't hate a shouty man. I don't think album. it's shouty. I don't think it's um, because he is, he sings. He's singing. He's not but shouting. All the albums that, I, that are shouty man music that you say no, shouty they're, man, they're they always, shouting. They always sing as well. But, this is, and it, it's so, this has loads of like diverse stuff. I think it's yeah. because it's so poppy. And I know that all of the really serious face critics that love this album don't want to admit that that's why, mm. but it's catchy as hell, this album. It's not, this isn't like those other ones that we've been talking about where it's, we're trying to be, we're a serious kind of, we're, we're very kind of um, cool band here. They're going for it on this. And I feel like that that's why it works. And yeah. um, I can see that's why Matt loves it. Um, but they're not. They're yeah. not angry. No, and they're, they're not, not angry, angry the entire time. <laughs> which makes me go, "This is a joy." I liked it. I liked it more than loads of other stuff on this playlist. That's cool. Um, my but, other, yeah. my other interesting question for you as well, though, Sam, is when you're talking about this not sounding like an album from this year when you've just been praising the I know, War on Drugs from I know, 1971. I know, but yeah. I really liked that one, so I couldn't pick that. But th- no, okay. this is this is directly. If this was released then like you wouldn't bat an eyelid um yeah. this is blink 192 era surely i agree i think, I agree. I think, I think yeah i i disagree quite heartily but <laughs> i respect i respect your opinion i think if you have you listened to blink 182 recently because it's no. a lot it's a lot simpler than this there's oh, a lot less totally, going on i'm not saying that this is the same as like this is a much better version of those things and had this been out then I imagine this would have been like seen as the critical version of that so much better. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that it's definitely better than those things, but it mm. sounds like it's those like things. a really good version of that type of music, isn't it? That's what yeah. I kept trying to get across. It's a really good album of that type of music. But yeah, it just depends if that type of music appeals to you. Um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, my answer to the question then. That's time. So usually I just pick the worst album as my answer to this question, but I haven't done that this time. Um, I think there are two or three albums on this list that I like less than Tyler, the Creators Call Me If You Get Lost. And maybe I wouldn't have been surprised to see it on a few lists. But at the time of writing, it seemed to be the second most popular album of the year, if you look at the aggregate of all the lists collected on the Album of the Year website. 
So this surprises the fuck out of me because I honestly never find this album anything more than just okay. It doesn't really seem to do anything new or interesting and just sounds like a run-of-the-mill hip-hop album. These sorts of albums have been around for years and have been done much better than this. And even this year, there's been better albums from the likes of Mick Jenkins and Wiki. I can't understand how this one is standing out to people. And I think that kind of ties into my experience of Tyler, the creator in general. I think I find him quite boring. And most of my favorite moments on this album are features. There's the Lil Wayne feature on Hot Wind Blows. I mean, I'm not a major fan of Lil Wayne, but when he raps here, at least it brings some flow and cadence that's interesting. So yeah, I'd say none of the album's totally horrible, apart from maybe the 10-minute plodophon, which is sweet, I thought you wanted to dance. But there's nothing that makes me sit up and take notice. I just think it's a vastly overrated album by a pretty overrated artist, and I cannot understand why it's done so well this year. But that's me. You're like okay. 15 seconds ahead. Wow. Speedy. Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay, so... We have actually amazingly talked about all the albums. Usually when we do these, there's one or two to wrap up at the end. The only one that you guys haven't commented on yet is Tyler, the creator. So who wants to talk about that first? Sam? I can, I can jump in. Yeah, um, Go for it. Yeah, I kind of feel the same about him as you do. Um, I've never really felt like he's he's so critically acclaimed. And yet I never feel like I get the same energy or performance or kind of consistency from him that I do from other people who sort of get credited as being too commercial. Like I'm never going to talk about Tyler, the creator in the same sentence as I'm going to talk about Jay-Z or even Lil Wayne in the, mm. their influence in hip hop. And yet right now, Tyler is like one of the main ones. I feel yeah, like he's always split bizarre. between those, these, that kind of soulful thing and then like fiery hip hop. And it feels like the soulful ones, other people just do those albums better and, um, mm. like Charles Gambino and the and Frank Ocean, they kind of had been doing some of the stuff that he was he's tried to do that he tried to do on Igor a bit better than him. Um, I think this is probably my favorite album he's done, but um, I I still don't know. It feels a bit exhausting at times. Mm. It kind of jumps around a lot. Songs are very short and then go to the next thing. Um, like the song Lemonhead, that sort of jumps between styles and different people and then it's like really soulful suddenly um and then what's your name starts and it's like what th- this album is just a bit all over the place as like very singular tracks um and i feel like the way the songs crash together and kind of work itself into an album it's kind of probably the point um with like new a-list stars appearing every five minutes but mm. i don't know I don't know if I just get it. Um, yeah. Could we talk about Pharrell Williams having another amazing verse on a hip hop album again, just like last year. And then like <laughs> all of his own music is really, is always nowhere near as good as that. Like he has like yeah. a minute a year of like really good music. Um, Cause he does it again. He did it on the run the jewels album last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this more than his previous stuff, but I feel like it does lose its focus. Yeah. Um, like he sort of just wanders off for like five minutes and then pops back. It doesn't feel like he's <laughs> like the, this kind of creative genius in the way that some of these other people may be. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I can understand why this is like you were saying, you can't understand why it's on so many lists. I understand why this is in a year where the other major, major hip hop releases, I mean, from like big, big names, something like Kanye's album is mm. an absolute, 
mess. This yeah. feels so much more cohesive. So if you're going to pick one of the really big ones, this is much more cohesive as an album. But then this um, is, on, on, you know, it's the second, it's made the second most number one spots after Little Sims. And, e- and Igor did as well. Like, um, yeah. that was huge. Like, I feel like this will probably win win him another Grammy Award as well. Because mm. um, I think he won Best Rap Album for Igor. Um, so, yeah, Bizarre he too. just seems to be the kind of it person for, like, mainstream hip-hop right now. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. yeah. Nah. It seems it seems that he has almost, like, indie legitimacy. Yeah added mm. on top, top of the fact that he, yeah he's making some of the like people talk about him so much and it's so critically acclaimed i've been trying to understand the cult around it and i haven't really <laughs> like i've bounced off every time i've li- tried to listen to something it's why i picked this because i was like it's it's getting i thought it would be fun to try and talk about it and see if it's just me <laughs> and mm. it isn't just me it seems no. i i like he can rap he's very I think he's very efficient at it. I don't think he has any flourishes that really excite me in the way that other people do. His flow isn't special in any way, um, but he's he's very, still very efficient at it and good. Um, there's some, there are some very fun. I like, I like, I like Lemonhead on this. It's a very fun party track. It is confusing, mm. as Sam mentions, because it does evolve <laughs> in weird ways. Um, but I th- like the biggest issues for me on this album were. I, like generally as a whole the beats were very unexciting and uninspired mm. um i didn't like i struggled to really look back and think about the album and go like this this like beat here was really caught me or dragged me in and then the other part of the album that i really didn't like was just dj drama is too present too much in the foreground like i get mm having the DJ and doing all the, like the voiceovers and the interjections and things like that. That's like a key part of an album like this, but like there's, there's ever present being there. And then there's just almost stealing the stage from Tyler mm-hmm. and like, um, disrupting the flow that he's trying to set down. And I think that contributed to my inability to like, really see this as a, like a cohesive piece as well so but I, I agree with pretty much everything you guys said as well and okay. it's, it's yeah it's a weird one maybe next time i'll get it interesting yeah because I, I i felt like it's just me with him for a long time really i felt like you know i've tried with every album um to the point when i wasn't actually going to try with this album until you sort of made me by picking it yeah. um and yeah it's like i say it's not the worst album on the list but why it's I can't get my head around why it's so popular, but anyway, we're too old. Maybe I was wondering. I was wondering if it's like a, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a very. I know you're in America. Is it a very American thing? Is there something about it? You know, there's some there's some British hip hop albums that I sometimes think are too British to make it in America. Is it? Is there something about that? I don't know. I don't. I don't. my life inside <laughs> academia is not really gonna gonna shed light on that. Really, I don't think. No, no you're not on uh, the streets. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, like I say, amazingly, for the first time ever on one of these, we've we've used all of the albums for questions, so we've got no albums to catch up on at the end. So I suppose we just how did you find the list in general in, in terms of a, an album of the year list? Do you think it was a good representation of the year? Do you think it was a lot of good albums? Or what do you think, Sam? Um, I as a playlist, I 
I enjoyed it, but obviously we need to hold this to a higher standard um, yeah. than usual. Um, for me, it didn't. I feel like it only it only represented like part of the year. Um, mm. I think just with the the things that we chose, um, I feel like pop music's had a really big year this year, and that didn't feel like that was represented on this. Mm. Um, but that's just the choices. Um, otherwise, I I enjoyed it. I there wasn't anything that I like actively hated. Um, which is good. Yeah. Um, that's a win. And there was a few things in here that I really, really enjoyed. I really loved, I really liked the Anna B. Savage, Cassandra Jenkins, War on Drugs. Um, I even liked Turnstile. So, wow. There's a win. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Matt, what about you? Um, I am pretty ambivalent about this as an <laughs> end of year list. I, but I like, to echo some sentiments from James, another editor, I have not been really that enthralled by new music this year as a whole. Mm, interesting. And so, wrong, but... I think I think we've we've had some incredibly strong years recently, and we've been spoiled. And mm. for me, this is a correction. Um, like there are like on this, I like a lot of it, but um, there's very little. This to me, the tone feels like a almost a regular episode mm. with our favorites sprinkled in. Like you're going to see my top three in a second. It's very much driven by us and mm. not by what's going on, else is going on. Mm. I think that's a symptom. I, I personally think of all the sort of album of the year ones that we've done, it's it's one of the better ones actually because I think usually there's a couple that I hate. Um, and I know I've gone in and, on the war on drugs, and I, you know I don't like Wolf Alice. But other than those two, everything else was decent. And then I think in in the bug and Cassandra Jenkins and Aya, the, they're all ones that may have made it into my top, you know, the top fifty that I put together at the end of the year. So I think I think it was good. I think you know it's better than an average episode, definitely. And I think compared to I think in previous years, I remember last year not really liking any of the ones we picked. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was a pretty good list, really. But there were a couple of stinkers, and Tyler the Creator makes no sense. Um, okay, so top threes. So, Matt, every year at the end of this episode, we get us and the other editors to give our top threes so we can name a Picky Bastards podcast album of the year and a, a top three. Um, we've already had a list from two of the editors, Tom and James. Um, have you got them, Matt? Um, they're on our WhatsApp. I can I can dig them up, but we should do them while I do the math. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. do you want to hear ours now, so you can do the math? Yeah. Yeah. Sam, what was what was your top three in the end? So my top three is um, Jasmine Sullivan at number three, uh, the War on Drugs at number two, Wolf Alice at number one. Fran's mm. favorite triple <laughs> threat. I mean, Hotels is the best of those three by a considerable margin. Um, okay, fair enough. Shall I go, Matt? Um, sure. Yeah, so I had, um, it was tough for me to decide the third position between Aya and Cassandra Jenkins, but actually this morning I decided it was Cassandra Jenkins at number three. Um, number two was The Bug, and number one obviously was Anna B. Savage. Okay. I have a feeling I know what's going to be the top. You, you doing so, maths? So for number three for me was Wolf Alice. Number okay. two was Anna B. Savage. What's happening here? Was Turnstile. 
Wow. Wow. So it was our picks. <laughs> Amazing. It's all just our picks. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Do we need to name Tom and James's? Or do we just Yeah, we need to they're, they're they're just at the bottom of our WhatsApp chat. So Okay. Give me two seconds, you listeners. That. You can just be bored for a second while I just open this and say that okay, so Tom had War on Drugs at number three. Cassandra Jenkins at number two and Jasmine Sullivan at number one. And James had Wolf Alice at number three, the bug at number two and Anna B. Savage at number one. I feel like I might be happy with our album of the year for the first time. Yeah. This is, it's looking at the scores now. It's really interesting. This is uh, probably the most spread scores that we've maybe ever had. The only two without a score are Aya and Tyler, the creator. Okay. Wow. Um, then we have Cassandra Jenkins, War on Drugs, and Turnstile, all with three points. Wow. And then we have Jasmine Sullivan and The Bug in third place wow. with four points. Then we have Wolf Alice in second <laughs> place. Oh, and, and that's with, yeah, with five points. And then with eight points is Anna B. Savage at the top wow. of the top of the table. Blown away. I can't quite believe yeah. it. Actually, that's never happened before. Um, I've never won what? this before. I feel like I should make an acceptance speech. You did. It's not your album. You didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. I picked it. I feel strangely proud. Um, yeah. You have been talking no. about it and and pushing it on us for a yeah. long period of time. Yeah. But you didn't listen to it until now. I'm glad we you, finally so. listened to it. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm glad that, yeah, it's nice, nice to hear that anyone got enjoyment out of an album I picked for once. It's, it's rare. So top three was Jasmine Sullivan and what was it, even top, there? Yeah, top three. The so book. top top was Anna B. Savage. Second was War on, uh, no, Wolf Alice. And third was a Jasmine Sullivan, The Bug combo. Tied. Amazing. Well, fantastic. Yeah, it's a, it's a good top three or four. Yeah, apart from... One of them. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Amazing. Okay, so that's it. That's the album of the year podcast for 2021. Um, yeah, good, good list, good chat. I enjoyed that. So, should we talk about what's coming next? Yeah. So amazingly, the next episode. Amazingly, somehow we have got to 50 episodes. It's going to be our 50th episode. So we will be doing a special episode about the albums that we should have covered but didn't. So. We've each picked three albums um, from the five years that the podcast has been on air that either we feel we want to introduce um, that we think, you know, the others might like or might be interested in and some that we think were quite big or, you know, had a lot of praise, but we never really talked about. So we've picked three each. Um, I've picked Barty Strange with Live Forever, Cardi B with Invasion of Privacy and Ibaye with Ash. What about you, Sam? I've picked Carolyn Polachek with Pang, uh, Rosalia with El Maquera. My Spanish is terrible. Um, <laughs> and Jay-Z with 444. Cool. And to round it out, I have Nila Yanya with Miss Universe, Ibio Sound Machine with Doko Mien, and Lizzo with Cause I Love You. Brilliant. Before the next episode, can you learn to say Abibio? Please, Matt. Ibibio, is that it? You've been typing typing EBO, you've been saying EBO. Just, you know, 
I, I wrote it down wrong in my in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, one one last time, I just want to say that a common turn by Annabie Savage is the album of the year. It's official. <laughs> um, yeah. And other than that, we'll see you all next episode. Thank you. Take care. Happy Bye. Christmas. Bye. Bye.